hustle is a season. It's not a lifestyle. So if that becomes your every day, then there is a mismatch. But there are going to be seasons when we have to push, but we also need to tend to our own self-care and well-being. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Jada. I'm so excited to have you here. I have your beautiful book called She Builds. And I'm obsessed with it, not only because I'm recovering a workaholic and hustler, <laughs> but also because I'm entering into that new period of motherhood, which I know you've experienced firsthand and talk about a lot throughout the book. So welcome. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm really excited to be here. And it was so great getting to see you in person in Austin and just celebrate this new chapter and season of your life too. So it's it's great that our worlds have been colliding, I feel, at the perfect time. Oh, I agree. Thank you. So I'd love for you to start off with where the book actually starts off. That story of you on the car and that pivotal moment and take us back to that big turning point and what was some of the the catalyst for this work in the world and for this book. Yeah. So I was in the car. My husband was on top of the car hood. (laughs) And yeah, I definitely start a very vulnerable dip moment in my entrepreneurial journey. Um, It was my first time my husband and I had started a business together in Kauai called Little Sprouts Playhouse. It was a play and learning center for kids, Montessori-inspired education, and our daughter was 18 months old at the time when we started that first business. So having a brick-and-mortar business that we opened during an economic recession in 2008-2009, I really became an entrepreneur out of necessity. And so I opened the book with that scene with my husband on the car because we were in a fight. And it felt like we were fighting over money that we didn't have and just trying to make ends meet, provide for our kid. We had actually ended up moving inside our playhouse. So that's why we're having a fight there because we didn't have enough money to pay for our rent and our uh, business lease. So we really kind of created this like, oh, let's get scrappy and resourceful and move into our daycare center. So that was really the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey and also that first experience of burnout and overwhelm where you're wearing so many hats, especially as a startup business, you know, where you're not only the person that's delivering the service, but you're the one that's doing the marketing online, taking the phone calls, you know, becoming the janitor and cleaning up everything. And so really learning what it took to run a business in that startup stage when you don't have a lot of financial resources. And um, that's kind of where I, I set the stage for She Builds. And I really wrote this book because when I first became an entrepreneur, all the books that I was reading were written by white guys who don't have caregiving responsibilities. They weren't parents. They weren't married. 
they were college educated. I am a multicultural black woman who doesn't have a college degree. So I just, I didn't see myself or my lived experience in these business books. And I really wanted a book that was proof of possibility for other people that they feel like, hey, if she could do it with all of that, fighting with her husband, no money, all of these things, $42,000 in credit card debt, and could still rebuild and rebuild something meaningful and profitable and sustainable than I can too. So I really wrote that book for people that are in that similar season. And it's interesting because where we are in our world right now is kind of that same looming recession, all those pieces and things. And how do we rebuild and reimagine our lives in these seasons of uncertainty and so much not the same as it was before? So beautiful. And yeah, I resonate with that so much. And I remember thinking about coaching when I first started because my dad always had coaches. He was an entrepreneur and, but they were like men in suits carrying, you know, little three ring binders. And then when I found people like the Marie Forleo's or Danielle Laporte or Lisa Nichols, that opened my eyes to what was possible and a different way of doing coaching and and running a business, frankly. So I love that you wrote this for that woman. And I know that one of the things you mentioned in the book is that hustle culture was actually created by men and for men. And you you briefly touched on that, but can you go a little bit more in depth in that topic? Yeah. So we're living in this male-dominated culture, right? Women, you, you know, it ha- wasn't that long ago where women were kind of the domestic caretakers of the home, taking care of the family, and the men would be at work. And then they're also the ones that have been the entrepreneurs. And so it's very new for women to not only be working outside of the home or sometimes in your home, on your computer, <laughs> on your dining room table, um, but also to build your own economy, to build your own business. And the hustle culture, this male-dominated dominated narrative. It has made us feel like we are not doing enough. We're not smart enough. We're not making enough. We really have this very narrow view of what a successful business looks like. A lot of the things that are being highlighted in the media are 80-hour work weeks, you know, building unicorn companies with billion-dollar valuations. And it's not to say that there's anything wrong with those business existing in the world, but there are more diverse ways of how people run businesses. And many people are small business owners who don't have thousands of people on their team. Sometimes it's just them or a small group of five or 10 or 20 people on your team. And that is a very different business model than a company that goes public and has investors and advisors. So I feel that because we are comparing ourselves to a business model that actually doesn't align with the type of businesses that we are building. And so we're in this constant chase of chasing more, chasing more money, a bigger team, all of these things. And it's actually not aligned with our soul and what we really want to build. And most women and non-binary folks are building businesses because they want to sustain their life. They want to be present for their life. They don't want to work 80-hour work weeks. They don't even want to work 40-hour work weeks. You know, they they are are really carrying double duty of being able to be present in their business to make money and then being able to have time to be at home with their loved ones. And so for me, what I have found has been the most helpful practice for myself and for my clients is to actually define your enough number. 
And enough doesn't mean that it's really taking away from your ambition or your big dreams and goals, but it allows you to settle your nervous system when you know, what does it actually cost to live my life, to live the life that I want? And how do I run the costs and expenses of my business? And then, you know, running the taxes and all of those pieces, you have your enough number and it's never as big as like a multi seven figure, eight figure business. It just isn't. Well, some people it might be, but for most people that I know that your true cost of living, your dream, your lifestyle that you want just doesn't cost that much. Even when I run my numbers now, my enough number when I first started was $15,000 a month for take home for my family, our livelihood. It's still that number to this day. And when you know that enough number, then you don't have to hustle just for the sake of hustling. You can actually allow yourself to take a spacious maternity leave, right? It's like, okay, this is the enough number. I'm not in a growth mode this year. I'm not trying to scale and 10X. I just need to like hit the basic needs and then step away and tend to what's happening in my own life. Sometimes that's caregiving for a new baby. Sometimes that's caregiving for your own chronic illness where you have to take take a step away or for elders or loved ones that you have in your life or even just tending to grief and loss. And so I think defining that enough number really allows us to allow anti-hustle to be the antidote to burnout where it's like, okay, I am enough. I know how much I need to make that is enough. And then I can build and create and expand around that number versus just constantly moving the goalpost, right? It's like, oh, six figures, then seven figures, then multiple. It just, it feels like it's never ending for us. And it's just this bottomless mimosa, just like never ending, like nothing is ever enough. And I want to redefine that metric of success for all of us. That's so good. And I always say that money needs a purpose. And I love yeah. how you've helped us like define this and give money a purpose because so often we are setting these arbitrary goals of six, seven, eight figures. And we don't even know what the money is for. We just think we need it or we want to be impressive or we want to go to the next level, but there's not actually like true desire behind it. And we yeah. don't really know what it means or what it's going to take to get there. Yeah. And I think that's answering that why, right? Like, why do I want to make the amount that I want to make and putting meaning behind the metrics? So I think that's so beautiful that you say that money needs a purpose. So I know that after the daycare, you actually started a couple of other businesses. And one of the poignant moments in the book that I loved was when you were about to submit um, your copy of, of your book. It was a cookbook, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, and you're like up for 24 hours and you're trying to write this book on health and you're like, this is a mismatch here. What's going on? I'm not actually living my truth. And I resonate with that because there was a period a few years ago where I woke up and I realized I wasn't actually happy and I didn't love my life and yet I'm running a brand called I Heart My Life. Mm. I was like, this, I'm not available for this anymore. Something has to change. So can you take us back to that moment? Because I also know that even though you had that realization, it took you about 11 months to actually make a change. So can you talk about that period? Yeah, it's so interesting. So I co-founded a company with my friend and business partner at the time, Jen Hansard, uh, called Simple Green Smoothies. And it was a health and wellness company. So all about, you know, making healthy habits, drinking green smoothies every day. And we got a traditionally published book that came out in 2015 by the same name. 
And I was in my yoga pants. I was laying on the floor, laptop, manuscript, everything. And I remember just, I actually don't drink caffeine or coffee. I love a chai tea latte, but I'm not a coffee drinker. But I was definitely like putting the caffeine down to stay up. And I was up for over 24 hours. It was probably close to 27. Like, And I remember seeing my husband and my daughter walking out the front door to go to school. And I'm just still glued to the laptop trying to make this deadline. And, you know, I got really sick. Obviously, your immune system needs to sleep. But I was a walking paradox, like writing this recipe health and wellness book while also ignoring my own health and my own relationships in that process. And I say that building a business that compromises your health and relationships is not a sustainable business model. And so I knew that something had to shift. Also, there's this mental burnout. So we talk about burnout, like physical exhaustion, um, those seasons when we do need to push. And hustle is a season. It's not a lifestyle. So if that becomes your every day, then there is a mismatch. But there are going to be seasons when we have to push, but we also need to tend to our own self-care and well-being at the same point. But with Simple Green Smoothies, I knew my heart was being called in a different direction. And so I was actually not only experiencing this physical burnout, but I was also experiencing this mental burnout because I was misaligned with my truth. When I built Simple Green Smoothies, I was all in. I was super passionate about it and building the community. We grew to over 400,000 followers on Instagram. We had 355,000 email subscribers, you know, generated a million dollars in sales in two years, which is amazing. And it was fun and it was exciting. But then for me, I'm such a builder. I'm such a creator. I always say that I'm an artist first and a business owner second. I wanted to share with more people about the behind the scenes of building a business and also what it means to build a business when you are a mom, when you are taking on more caregiving responsibilities, it just looked different. And I was more passionate talking about the behind the scenes of how we did what we did than about talking about the health benefits of chia seeds. And so I just, I felt like I was cheating on the business that I built, you know, because my heart was being pulled in this different direction. And it didn't make sense on paper for me to leave, but it definitely made sense in my heart. So I had to straddle that for many years. And I think that happens to a lot of us in these big transitions. We have a sense and knowing that something is off. It's not quite right. We're not exactly sure what the next thing that we're trying to step into. Um, that's why I think visioning is really important to kind of see what what is coming out of you, what is pouring out of you, of, of what is the life that you want next. Because I think for ambitious women, we have a vision, we have a dream, we have some projects, some goals, and then we hit them and then we plateau because we haven't expanded what is possible for us or what is it that we're wanting to learn or how we're wanting to grow next. So that's why I think it's important for us to keep connecting to like, what's that next level vision? What is that? How do I want to grow? How do I want to expand? And it doesn't always mean more money. It also could be I want more of what I already have in my life and making sure that I stay with that intention and don't get distracted from shiny objects because that was a message that we got a lot through Simple Green Smoothies was you guys are, you know, you're on a golden egg, a golden goose or whatever it is, you know, you're leaving money on the table and all of these things. And so you feel like you are doing business wrong because you're not chasing more when it's like, oh, actually, I like what I already have. 
how can I just sustain and maintain this versus constantly always chasing more? So we do have to connect to that vision. So yeah, that was definitely a big season of burnout for sure. And I knew with She Builds that I had to write the book in an anti-hustle way to truly live and embody that and not write the book in the same way that I did with Simple Green Smoothies. And because I did that, I do not resent the writing process. I truly thought I wasn't going to write another book. I thought I'd hire a ghostwriter, I would do all of these things and just outsource, delegate. I never want to write a book again because that was traumatizing. But when I allowed myself to write this book in a very creative way, in a way that was aligned with my vitality, my health, my mental health and well-being, I loved the process. I enjoyed it. And I want to write more books because I did it in an anti-hustle way. Beautiful. And from one author to another, I'm curious to know, what did your process look like? And obviously, even those of us who aren't writers can relate to this and implement it in our life and do things in a non-hustle way. Yeah. So there's this messaging that we get from a very male-dominated culture, too, on the creative process. And this like creative process can also be for even writing a sales page or newsletters to your community. So we can, even if you're not an author and writing a book, I think this can really re- resonate with everyone, is in order to be an author, you need to have your butt in the seat every morning, wake up at 5 a.m., write, you know, a thousand words a day, just like, just keep doing that. And I really tried to do that because I'm like, I want to be a real author. I want to be able to write the way that the professional writers write. So I did that. And I did it for four months. And I was getting nowhere with my book. Like it felt like no progress, no flow. I just couldn't get a handle. But I was showing up every single day, waking up early in the morning, writing my word count. Um, And my life coach, Rebecca McLaughlin, you know, I was about to extend my deadline again. So She Builds was supposed to come out in May of 2022, and it didn't come out until November because one of the anti-hustle ways is to ask for more time, that we don't have to always hit that deadline to stay up over 24 hours, just let people know like, hey, I'm working really hard and I need more time. And so I did that a few times with this book to really embody the anti-hustle way. But then my coach really called out like that this procrastination and resistance was actually coming from a different place. And she's like, I actually think you can hit this deadline this time. And she's like, what would it look like if you booked a hotel for a few nights and just, just hashed out the chapters? And I was like, I got excited about it. Like, ooh, a little like love affair escapade with my with my book and to like step away from my my personal family responsibilities. And so for three weeks in a row to kind of make that deadline, I booked a hotel for three to four nights in different places. I did wine country. Um, I did Calistoga Hot Springs. I did Salsalito. Just all these really beautiful, luxurious hotels that were also immersed in nature. And I could, like, hot tub was a necessity. Like, I need to soak. And then I would just stay in my pajamas, like, just kind of allow myself to be in that creative, immersive process. And I was able to get through my first draft of all the chapters in the book from those three weeks and send it off to my editor. And I loved it. I loved like not having to say hello to anyone in the morning, that I could just be in my creative process. And I also had my life coach. I scheduled a hour-long call with her each day because one of my fears was also, and I, I did this with Simple Green Smoothies, where I was like, 
I, what if I get to the hotel and I actually don't write, you know, like I'm just like, oh, vacation. And so I let her know what I was working on each day. And if there was anywhere where I was stuck, because sometimes we can write a plan or an outline and be like, oh, I'm clear where I'm going, but the plan can fall apart on the page and there's parts where you're stuck. And so having those conversations with my coach to release any emotional blocks, any logistical things that I was stuck on or decisions I need to make, and then I could just get to writing. And I just fell in love with that writing process and realized I'm not a sit your booty in the seat every day, write, and this like just robotic daily repetition. I am an immersive creator. And I need that time away from my physical environment and my personal responsibilities to really immerse myself in the work and feel like the fluidity and not like stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And so that to me was really a part of my writing process. And I will continue that forevermore. It was just a very enlightening way that I write very differently. And that doesn't mean that I'm not a writer or a real author. The same thing, like doesn't mean that if we don't do our businesses the same way that maybe a male does in his business, that we're not a real entrepreneur. So good. I love that. When I first wrote my book, I actually researched all these places because I knew the same as you, I wanted to go away and do it somewhere else. I was living in London at the time. And so I decided I wanted to go to Florence because what better place than to be in Florence, you know, with all the creative juices. And I remember one morning in particular, I was writing outside and there was actually a harp playing (laughs) at breakfast. And I was like, is this real life? Like what is happening? But what better place to write an I Heart My Life book? And to get into that space. And it was the same for me. I was able to just, I just wrote so many words, nearly like the whole first draft in a matter of weeks, like you said. Um, And so I think your story is so powerful in that you followed your heart and you also tuned in to like, what is going to help create success for me here? What's going to help me do this to the best of my ability? What do I need? Not only this different change of environment, but also the coaching sessions with my life coach and just really setting yourself up for success. And what I like to call playing the whole tape through, like thinking about what could go wrong here and how do we make sure that that doesn't happen. Do you want to up-level every area of your life? Do you want to achieve more success, joy, and abundance? If so, head on over to iheartmylife.com slash go and check out everything we have going on to support you in creating a life that's better than your dreams. And I'm curious to know, so your life coach is obviously amazing at what she does. What was the procrastination actually about for you? Yeah. So I had a lot of fear of that the book wasn't good enough. Like what I was writing about didn't make sense. So it was a lot of like worthiness. Is this valuable? Is what I have to say valuable? Also some like trying to pattern things together. One of the hardest chapters for me to write was chapter four, gather your support squad, which could probably be its own book in itself. But there were so many parts in that that I had to kind of unpack and then repackage in a way that people could digest. And there were a lot of different iterations of what stories I would highlight, who of my own story or my own clients. So it it was a lot of that just decision fatigue that happens when there's so many ways you could say something. But also dealing with your own imposter of like, who am I to write about this? And who even cares? And 
So really leaning into those blocks that I was facing was really, really helpful. And I was able that really hard chapter of really categorizing what are the different support systems for me? What does my support squad look like? And how can I make it easier for people to recreate that for themselves? Love it. So will you dive into your build with love framework? Because that really struck me. It was, it just made things so clear. And I know for me, sometimes I think it'd be way easier for me to just not care that much about the work that I do, but I have to love what I do um, because I'm kind of an all or nothing sort of person. Um, so I really resonate with so much about this and love the framework. So if you can share more, I'd love it. Yeah. So I think we have to start with where hustle culture takes us, which is to this cycle of fear. So this is an acronym, F-E-A-R, which is forcing exhaustion, avoidance, rigidity. And then I can lead us into the love framework. So oftentimes when we're in this kind of hamster wheel of, of hustle, we get caught in this cycle of forcing. There's a lot of exerting, we're pushing, we're over-efforting, we're overextending ourselves, we're taking on so much responsibility on our plate, just trying to make it happen, just like push, like work my way through. I'll just grind it out, crush it, all of these things. And what happens when we do that, when we're in this place of forcing is then we become exhausted. And so now we're in this stage of exhaustion where we feel depleted, we're burnt out, we're tired. It's just like, ugh, like I can't keep up. And for me, my trauma response is to freeze. So when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel exhausted, when there's too much on my plate, I just don't do anything at all. Cause I'm like, I don't even know where to focus. It's just too much. So I'm just going to go hang out and, and watch some shows, you know? And when we get into that place of exhaustion, then we are in the next stage of avoidance. So then we're hiding out and we're watching the shows and we're just kind of like, how can I numb out, avoid anything that needs to be taken care of, procrastinate that resistance that we get stuck in. And then we're in this place of rigidity. And that keeps us on the cycle because rigidity is, I made this plan. I said, this is how I'm going to do it. So I need to stick to this plan. And then you're just like right back into forcing. But if we keep doing it the same way, then we're stuck in this loop and this pattern. And that is where we really get burnt out. And we're just like constantly like, this isn't working. This isn't working. But we stay in that cycle of this isn't working. And then we start to resent our businesses. We start to resent our lives and the responsibilities. And you just want to throw your hands up. And so I designed the book. I organized the book through this build with love framework, L-O-V-E, which is lead, optimize, visualize, expand. And this is our own cycle with lead. It's about leading from the inside out and really connecting to your own desires of what you're wanting to build and create in this next season of your life and being able to really honor that. And then you can take, when you know what it is that you want personally and what your needs are, then you can extend from the inside out and start taking care of your family, your team, your customers, your community. So really extending that leadership from that place and to define your enough number. And then when we move into optimize, it's not just about optimizing for the sake of optimizing, it's creating these efficiencies in your life not just the output, but also your energy and the time that you spend and really reclaiming your time and your energy and honoring your capacity and then creating these systems for efficiency to save you time on things that you are already doing. So being able to be more intentional about what it is 
and how you're working on inside your business. And then visualize is about connecting to your vision and actually making it a reality. And so being able to create, you know, for me, I do a quarterly planning system of being able to prioritize our VIPs, our very important projects of what we're saying yes to, what we're saying no to, and then being able to create a plan that is more intentional from that place versus just chasing shiny objects and just kind of like squirrel, like what's here and now I'm going to do that and this and just being very intentional with what you're building and creating. And then we move into expand, which is about deepening and being able to build a solid foundation. So once you've done lead and optimize and visualize, now you can start to deepen from a sustainable foundation, something that you can really expand and go a lot deeper. So this is about self-care. It's about refilling your well, which I talk about and also embracing your pace like this, like what is your pace for how you want to build and create in your life? And then you can expand, you can grow, you can dream even bigger when you are building on a solid foundation that's not going to burn you out in the process or you're going to learn to resent your business. Because truly, if we are building businesses where we resent them or we're burnt out by them, we're just going to walk away. We're going to shut it down. We're going to close it down. And I feel that women really need to be building more businesses because they're re- redefining the future of work. Company culture looks different when it's led by women, non-binary folks, non-gender conforming people to be able to build in a way that is inclusive and diverse at the same time. So we need more women. We need more feminine energy building the businesses while still using masculine structures and systems in place, but not ignoring the heart and the love behind it all too. Oh, yes. I so agree. And thank you for breaking that down. I'm curious to know, you know, in the book, you mention that oftentimes there are warning signs that hustle is crushing you. And I want to bring that up because I remember hearing, I think it was Brendan Burchard who mentioned this, that oftentimes people can live with burnout for years and not actually know that they're burnout. And I know for me, one of the signs, like you mentioned, is resentment and also going into overwhelm. I know that overwhelm is like, my mind telling me something or my body telling me that something's off. So what are some of the signs that people can look out for? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, there's the physical burnout. So also paying attention to that, you know, when your eyes are glazing over or you're, you're looking at the screen, you're trying to write and you just can't focus. So there's some of those physical signs. And also when we're tapped into our phones or to our screens, digital devices, we often ignore our bodily signals and needs, right? Of like, you should go to the bathroom. You should drink a glass of water. You should eat lunch, right? There's these things that we kind of just keep pushing and exerting. So there's the physical signs. And then it can get a lot deeper where you have adrenal fatigue and you actually don't even have the stamina or energy or you're always tired all the time. And you're like, why can't I do this work? Why am I so exhausted? So those are some of the the physical signs of burnout when you can't focus, when you can't stay like on the task or you are avoiding it because you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, I used to be able to do this. I also want to name that oftentimes there's competition where we might be competing, we're comparing ourselves to other people, but and also something that leads to burnout is we compare ourselves to our past selves and our past self's capacity and energy of like, well, I used to be able to stay up till 2 a.m. and work on this. Why can't I do that anymore? 
So we have to honor the season that we're in in our lives because oftentimes if you become a parent, your hormones change or if you're aging into perimenopause or managing a chronic illness, your capacity, your energy and focus is going to change too. So we really need to pay attention to meeting yourself in the moment and not comparing yourself, trying to catch up with your past self of like, I had a seven figure business or I had this or I had that. Why can't And then you start to shame and berate yourself for the current season that you're in. But where you are now is not where you were before. So really being kind and and compassionate. And then there's that mental burnout, right, where you're kind of feeling that sense of overwhelm or don't know where to focus your energy, like what's my next step or what do I want to be when I grow up? Like you just start getting into that identity crisis of like, what is this all for? Um, And that can be very exhausting if you have a lot of decisions to make and you feel fatigued and you're not able to move forward on things. You just feel really stuck and you can only kind of do very simple tasks like, I guess I'll just reply to emails, reactionary work, that type of thing. Um, And then there's also like spiritual burnout of like this has no meaning or purpose for me. Like I don't feel connected to my community or all the things that I've taken on in my business has actually pulled me further away from what are the things I actually love to do. And that can happen when we're trying to grow and scale our businesses to the next level where you have team that take on the parts that you actually really love and light you up. So paying attention to that just because it's like, this is what it looks like to scale a team and get things off your plate, but you can also delegate your joy. And now you're just doing the thing that you don't want to be doing in your business. So really paying attention to that. And then there's the emotional burnout where we can just feel that like we're disengaged. We feel a sense of apathy or even boredom. And we're just like not lit up the way that we were. Or there's a sense of sadness or anger or the resentment that we're talking about where it's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so we really have to connect and pay attention to those different signals of of what they're saying. And it doesn't always mean that the business that you have isn't working, but something is off and needs to shift and change. And so you want to try some things on before just shutting it down and walking away. Like, okay, here are some symptoms, but how can we get to the root cause of that? I think is really, really important. Um, so that's why I like to, I like to do everything that I can. And I did that in Simple Green Smoothies. We like reworked our team, our org chart and responsibilities. And how can I be more in my zone of, you know, genius and where I feel most lit up. And I just, at the end of the day, I was like, this still isn't working for me. I like my heart truly is pointing me in another direction and I have to follow it even though I can't see everything. I just know this isn't it and I've done my best. And I I think that piece is really important to leave with love, not only to lead with love and business, but also to leave with love of the most loving thing that I could do for my business partner, for my team at Simple Green Smoothies was actually to step into a body of work that was actually more aligned with me versus kind of just wanting to put just a little bit of time in that because I just wasn't lit up. That's not where my energy was naturally being drawn to anymore. Thank you for explaining that. And I'd love your take on something because oftentimes, well, I've heard this from multiple mentors. One of them is David Nagel, who always says, don't make decisions in the darkness. And I really resonate with that because there have been plenty of times in that moment of despair where I'm like, I'm shutting it all down, (laughs) turning it all (laughs) off. But like you said, that's not normally the right decision, or at least not, we don't want to make that like so... um, 
you know, just drastic, just, yeah. <laughs> and so would you say the best thing in those moments of darkness is to like be experimenting? Like you said, like, what does it look like to get that clarity when you are burnout, you're, you're stressed, like you can't see another way. How do you actually navigate to that place of clarity? Yeah, I love that question and you're spot on the experimentation, which is exactly what I did while I was in Simple Green Smoothies. I turned that company into my cash project that would then, I would use that money to fund my heart project on the side. And so I remember on Mondays from 2 to 4 p.m., I put in my calendar heart project. And that's when I would start to work on my personal brand of jadaselner.com and kind of just testing. I built this whole website, did a photo shoot, and had no idea what I was doing. But it's almost like I made this vision board of what I might want to do with that brand and used my website as, as the structure for that. So I created these imaginary offers. And then I would try them on. I remember I had this like 90 minute session for $500 and a few people did them. And I remember at the end, I would just say, did that drain my energy or did it energize me? And really connecting to those pieces of during that experimentation process. And I realized I don't like one-off calls with people. I actually like to go deep A lot of my clients have been working with me for five to six plus years and they just continue re-upping. And I just like to go deep with people. I like to know people's hearts. I like to know what their values are, what their bigger vision for their life is while they're building their business. And so I I took that offer off and I replaced it with a longer term program, you know, like, and every quarter I would test something a little bit differently because I didn't have a lot of hours to pour into that. So I would do speaking, I would lead a six week mastermind or a two day retreat. I just tried on these different things. And even as I walked away and sold my half of the company to my business partner in 2016, I had already had a multiple six-figure business in my personal brand because I was testing and experimenting while I was still in the other company. So for me, I contribute a large portion of the revenue to my family's livelihood. So I can't just get up and go and start over. Like I have to be very intentional with those transitions. So often some people, they're like, I need to like, you know, just the leap leap and the net will appear but when you're providing livelihood for other people it you can't always make that decision and burn all the bridges so quickly so i needed to be a lot more intentional and slower and i still do that in my own company today i i say like give ourselves permission to be a slow cooker instead of a pressure cooker so i like things to simmer and i take longer than most people to arrive at a decision and that's okay that i i you know, because again, you don't want to make the decision in the dark. So I want to have a lot of reverence and love and care for the thing that I'm in, knowing I want to go somewhere else. That experimentation, trying things on is a very important part of that process so that you have something that is a little bit easier to make that transition. So that piece was really important to me for sure. Oh, so good. And I love that you essentially built the six-figure business on the side just two hours a week, you said? Well, when I first started, it was just like, I, I would just kind of, this was my focus to do more of the bigger picture thinking. And then I, and I even hired an assistant to help me on that side of the business too. Okay. Like help me with like scheduling client calls, scheduling this, sending these emails out. So I was trying to 
pour that money into this other business and kind of build that. But I definitely didn't build a six-figure business in two hours a week for sure. Um, but that was for me in this in the starting of the experimentation when you're, you know, whether you're working a full-time job or you are running another business and you're wanting to try something on, I had to guard time like an appointment to work on that other thing because it takes time. You need that focused energy for sure. And that's so important because so often people are frustrated because it seems like the heart-centered dream is so far off in the future. And so then that creates even more resentment for the thing that you're doing now. And so I love that you deliberately carved out that time because then in your mind and your body, you could see that that's actually moving forward. You're getting more clarity. It's really happening instead of just continuing to wait, which could build more frustration. Yeah. And I think I say that we really have to be able to not put a timeline on our dreams. We can put a timeline on our actions. We can put that time in the calendar. But really being patient with your dream and your ambitions because most things take longer than we think. I, When I first started in the online business space, moving from my brick and mortar business, I was like, I'm going to make six figures in six months. And that did not happen. And I had to ask for more time. And I had to, like, things just take longer. I've been wanting to write this book, She Builds. That wasn't the title of the book at the time. There's, We just need ideas to, to simmer. We need them to really have the time. Like things just take the time that they take. We can rush some things, but we can't rush everything. And we can't always rush our knowing either. So we have to get uncomfortable sitting with uncertainty, sitting in the messy middle of not knowing, being in complete trust and surrender. There is a reason why this isn't happening right now. It's really frustrating I want to know the answer or I want to be done with this already. I don't want to ask for more time. Like I just want to like get it off my plate. But that's part of the creative process as things really do have to simmer. And for me, I noticed that my projects and my intentions have more of like a three-year runway. And then I'm in another season of creation and reinvention and I think that's helpful for people to also pay attention to their own transition cycles in life. Some people, it's 10 years. Some people, it's five years. Some people, it's two years. But pay attention to, if you look at like the history of your life and the milestones of transitions, there's usually like a little like inkling of when you're like, oh, something is shifting and emerging in me. And I don't know what it is, but it's like this that I'm working on right now isn't it. And so really honoring that, like I I have a three-year creation cycle And whether it's building a new business or a new offering or a new book, like something new is usually brewing inside me every three years that wants to come out into the world. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. So I'm curious to know, and I'm going to try and figure out how to pose this question because there's two sides to it. So something that struck me in the beginning of the book when you moved into the daycare was that at least from the way I read it, you didn't seem to have an issue with that until one of the parents of the kids brought it to you and your husband's attention and seemed to be a bit weird about it. So is that true? Like, were you guys cool for the time being? <laughs> cool. And I, I, I know that that probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't see an issue with it in, at the time until someone said something or were you feeling weird about it too? So I was not feeling weird about it because I moved around a lot in my childhood. I never went to the same school more than two years. 
I've experienced homelessness with my family where we lived in the Salvation Army and in like motorhome in in Oakland. So I, my parents have had a lot of money and then gone bankrupt and then we moved. Like there's, so I've had a lot of ups and downs in finances, in housing from like, you know, two acres of land to like a two bedroom apartment with five, you know, a family of five. So for me, that's part of my adaptive trauma response is to be resilient and resourceful in those seasons of change of like, just whatever needs to happen is just going to happen. So I didn't have like a sense of like, this isn't normal. Do you know what I mean? Like if you are in, if you have that type of upbringing, you don't know anything differently. I didn't feel like I had a bad childhood from that perspective. It was just like, oh, we eat out of the can and it's not heated. And like, you know, just different things like that. You just don't know anything different. So for me, that survival mechanism was like, I just got to do whatever it takes to take care of me, my family and the business. So where my husband, I think, kind of felt something a little bit different in that conversation with that family. You know, the dad was saying like, hey, I, my kid is saying that you guys live here. Is that true? And like he didn't believe it. And, we're, and my husband's just like, uh, yeah, that's true. And there's just kind of this like embarrassment in his like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I asked. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that's true. So it was almost like I didn't know anything was wrong until feeling like, oh, this probably isn't normal. This isn't typical of what most people do. You know, I was just pivoting and trying to make whatever work. So that definitely gave me a sense of like, hmm, maybe we should be doing something differently. Yeah. And I thank you for sharing that. I bring that up because I think there are times when other people and the way that they view us can harm us or take us down or cause us to go into a bad place. But that wasn't what I got from that story. It was almost like he was like this (laughs) angel or something Mm. that brought clarity to you guys. And you were like, you know what? This is not okay. And this is not who we want to be. And we're going to make a change. And so I'm curious to know, you know, what in your life or who in your life has inspired you to make changes over the years and how big of an impact have people been in your journey? Yeah. So my husband's aunt, Maria Veloso, and I talk about her in the book, I got to intern with her and kind of learn about online business. And she really inspired me because something that she was sharing about her own journey of she was always up to something new, you know, like people were like, what is she up to now? They, they call her Annie Tootie. And there was something where she normalized that constant trying things on and experimenting because I had a lot of fear, like slight embarrassment when we closed down our brick and mortar business, then moved to California, like left the island, the tropical paradise into my husband's parents' house. And I started a parenting blog with my friend, Jen, who that was our first kind of test was the parenting blog that then turned into Simple Green Smoothies. And I sent a newsletter to just all my family members and friends because that's all I didn't know anybody. I wasn't in the online space yet. So it was just like, hey, we've got this blog. Check it out. But there was also this like, oh, my gosh, people are going to be like, what is Jada up to now? This constant like shifting and trying something new. And I thought you were working on that brick and mortar. So what happened to that? And hearing from her that she was on that journey and she, you know, runs, you know, has built a multiple seven figure business online in a a different space. 
I was really inspired by that, like to not give up, to not give up trying different things on until something clicks and it works. And to know that a lot of people are going to have judgments or stories that they're making up as you pivot and just try on different things of what works for you in your life. So that has definitely, you know, I talk about this in Gather Your Support Squad in chapter four, that we have our peers and our colleagues. Those are the people that we mastermind with that are on a very similar journey as us, kind of like our parallel playmates of who are in it, struggling with very similar things. And we're able to share resources with each other, uplift each other when we're in self-doubt and encourage each other when we have beautiful celebrations to have those humble brags. And then we have our mentors and, and our advisors. And that's where I talk about Auntie Tootie. And so Sometimes you can have a paid mentor or advisor, right? A business coach or consultant or strategist. And sometimes you have mentors from afar, especially when you don't have money. That was me. I didn't have any money. It was $42,000 in credit card debt. So books and podcasts and webinars and free things were the things that I had to get my mentorship from or offering to intern for my husband's aunt. I was like, I will work for you for free. I'll grab you Starbucks. I'll get your dry cleaning, whatever you need. I just want to be able to look over your shoulder. And I think that is also very humbling that most people won't do, which is step out of, I already was running my own business and now I'm here interning and, and I did grab her Starbucks and I did pick up her dry cleaning and all these stuff, but I also got to learn behind the scenes of how a seven-figure business is run, how to do this online thing that I didn't have any context around. Um, and then the third category that I talk about in your support squad is um, really being able to have your a safe place to be seen and heard, and that's having your life coach, your therapist, people who can hold that emotional space for you for when you do face resistance and avoid and procrastination and all of that too. Oh, thank you. So before I get to the final question on today's episode, I'd love for you to tell everyone where they can find this book, any other final thoughts about who it's for and just anything else you want to share. Yeah. So um, if you're an like a listener, an audio listener, if you're a podcast listener, probably you like to listen to books too. You can go to shebuilds.com slash audible or just go to shebuilds.com and that will get you to the book and some fun bonus resources like how my husband and I do our annual um, visioning and planning retreat each year together that we include with that. Um, and of course, learning about anything else I'm up to at jadaselner.com. And for me, this book is for anyone. It's been so cool to see, like even men have been reading this book. So my podcast editor for my Lead with Love podcast, he edits all my episodes and he bought the book for his wife. And then I saw a review on Amazon and he was like, this book isn't just for women. He's like, I've hustled before too. And there's so many tools and strategies that can help me. So it's been really cool to see that men are also reading this book. But who this book is for is really someone who wants to grow their business in a way that sustains their life, that they're able to use self-care as a business strategy while building and growing at a sustainable pace, and that they want to read a book that centers women's stories. Because for decades, we have been reading business books that center 
male-dominated narratives that don't have very similar values or even just lived experience or responsibilities that we have. So if you're wanting to see a diverse representation of what it looks like to build and center a woman's voice, and I, you know, I highlight very many of my friends and clients within the book too, just to be like, oh, right, you know, representation does matter. It just plants this proof of possibility in a deeper way than when we read the book that are written for companies that want billion-dollar valuations. And it's just, we're not all building those type of businesses. There's nothing wrong with them. But we need more diverse representation of small businesses, of quaint, cozy, a one-person business. Like It doesn't all have to be so scaled and so big and so expansive. But also, if that's what you want and you have the stamina and the ambition and the resources to make that happen, that that's totally cool too. Thank you so much. So one of the things that we believe at I Heart My Life is that we are capable of far more than we even know. And so what is one way that we can create a life that's better than our dreams? I would say, I talk about this and She Builds, is really mustering up the courage for 10 seconds of bravery. Everything that I've done is because, again, I'm a social introvert. I'm really shy at like events or asking people for things. And For me, when there's something that I really want, that I just really try to lean into 10 seconds of bravery to make a clear ask, even if it's uncomfortable, I will say the reason that this book exists was because I put myself out there. I told my mentor and friend, Jonathan Fields, I was like, if you ever need anyone to speak about community building, I can do it. And that was really scary for me to say, because I'm like looking up to this guy. He's got this amazing podcast. And he invited me to speak. And I said, for free. Like I wanted to give and be of value. And he invited me to speak at his event. He saw me speak. Then he introduced me to Chris Gilbo at World Domination Summit. So I delivered my very first keynote presentation in front of 3,000 people. And at that event is where Chris Gilbo's literary agent met me. That was in 2014. And he was kind of introducing me to literary agents. And then I knew that Simple Green Smoothies needed to be the book that came out first, but that I would come out back to him when it was time to write my business book. And I did come back to him and he was very patient. I actually record a conversation on my podcast with, with my literary agent. But that 10 seconds of bravery of putting myself out there saying, I'm available for this if you are open to it. And just those little dots of connection that then led me full circle to having this book out in the world. So that would be my invitation. Love it. And a social introvert pitching community building. (laughs) Yes. So good. Thank you so much. This book is amazing. I can't wait for more people to read it. It's totally life-changing. And I mean that in the deepest sense of that word. Um, So thank you for taking the time to write it and for pouring so much deliberation and love into it. It's beautiful. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I'm just so thankful to know you and your growing and expanding family too. Oh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag IHeartMyLifeShow. That's hashtag IHeartMyLifeShow. 
And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.